You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. We're at Chatter and Friendship Heights on this Friday. Thanks to everyone here at the restaurant. and Thanks to Tony and Nigel for inviting us here to do this podcast. And thanks, as always, to Window Nation, our presenting sponsor. If you're in the market for windows, call Window Nation like I have in the past. Harley and Aaron are the best. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I told you to call. Skins Packers on Sunday. Skins beat Packers if coming up in a minute or so. Smell test today. Uh, we've got Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post on the show. Scott Van Pelt will be on the show. And Andy Poland will join me later in the show as well. Let's start with the game last night. Wow. Baker Mayfield, Aaron, comes in at the end of the first half, and there was this anticipation building of Baker Mayfield coming into the game as Tyrod Taylor was struggling so mightily, couldn't hit the ocean from a boat. That was amazing. Um, and then he got hurt, which gave them the reason to put Mayfield in. I'm not so sure Mayfield wasn't coming in anyway. And the place goes nuts. He hits Landry on his first throw, and then they get down for a field goal on that first drive. And then he ends up going 17 of 23 for 201 yards in just over a half. And Cleveland, for the first time since the end of the 2016 season, is victorious. They beat the Jets after falling behind 14-0 in that game. They beat them 21-17. And the Browns... With Baker Mayfield, look, it's one game, okay? And we know so many times in the past what the NFL is, that one game is not an indication of anything. But here's what looked evident in his first game. And by the way, I would I said the same thing about Darnold in his first game in Detroit uh, in the Monday night two weeks ago. He looked incredibly confident. Uh, he has the gun. He has the arm, can make every throw. And he can throw people open too. He, he throw. He anticipates very well uh, in throwing the football, which is so crucial. All right, Mike Shanahan. I remember when he was first talking to me about multiple, you know, quarterbacks that he had coached, and he said this was one of the issues with Griffin early on is that he didn't anticipate, didn't see the field, and didn't throw based on anticipating a wide receiver coming open. You could see that Mayfield did it on the first two throws last night. Threw it quickly, too. Has a really quick release. And there is something about this guy that says leadership. Um, who knows what he will end up being uh, off the field and whether or not he will uh, you know, continue to be this, this sort of charismatic force on the sideline in the locker room in the huddle, which he appears to have been at Oklahoma. And already people are referring to this sort of leadership uh, you know, charisma that he has. He played great last night in his first game. And the Browns, you can tell, are already very good on defense. Miles Garrett is unblockable unblockable. Now, they got run on a little bit because Cleveland went three and out so many times to start the game, and the Jets got going with that blocked punt early, um, but I like the Browns. I think it's a team that will be very competitive in a lot of games this year, and it's not going to surprise me if they win six this year. I think they can win six, and he becomes, um, by the way, he becomes a must-watch young quarterback uh, in this league. So 
that was an entertaining Thursday night game. No one would have ever thought Browns-Jets except for Darnold versus Mayfield. You weren't even sure you would get it with Tyrod Taylor starting the game. You got it. Great Thursday night game. Uh, and the Browns are 1-2 and two right now. Could easily be 3-0 and if they had a kicker. Um, last night, their replacement kicker, Greg Joseph for Zane Gonzalez, he made his kicks... Uh, but, he, but he also had a kickoff that went out of bounds. And the field goals that he made, quite were honestly, close. were not pretty. No. They weren't pretty. All right, let's get to the Redskins beat Packers if. All right, Redskins beat Packers if. They get to Aaron Rodgers on Sunday, aggressively getting to Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. If the Packers win this game, Rodgers needs to pay dearly to get it. The Packers aren't coming in here and running it easily. I know the Colts did last week early, but I think the Redskins can stop the run. Uh, now they're getting uh, they're getting Aaron Williams back this week, uh, Aaron Jones back this week, but apparently he's not going to start. It'll be the other two, Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams, that'll get the bulk of the carries. Um, Rodgers right now with that knee is a sitting duck. Hit him legally, pressure him into awkward, quick throws. And then that leads to the second key. The Redskins beat the Packers if the defense tackles well. Limit yards after the catch. Graham, Adams, Cobb, got to tackle them after they catch the ball. Corners, safeties, linebackers, and coverage have to tackle well. Yards after catch in this game is going to be huge for both teams. I don't see either team having great success running it. I think completion percentages will be high. So tackling Sunday, not allowing 15 on a play that gets, that should get four or five will be big in this game. Lastly, Redskins beat Packers if. This was a key last week to beating the Colts. If the offense takes what the defense gives them. They didn't last week. The adjustment this week is not to just take shots, to force the ball down the field for the sake of taking shots and forcing the ball down the field. Now, Green Bay may give them more opportunities to go down the field because Green Bay is going to play more man coverage than the Colts did. The Colts played no man coverage, almost exclusively zone, deep Tampa two zone at times. Jordan Reed, Chris Thompson, Jamison Crowder, Vernon Davis – I want those four players on the field. Find the matchup you like. Get it out quickly. Take advantage of that. Cousins riddled Green Bay last week at Lambeau. Threw for 425, 28 completions to three guys, Thielen, Diggs, and Rudolph. Now, I know the Redskins don't have Thielen and Diggs, but they've got better than Rudolph in Jordan Reed. I'll get to him more in a moment. Minnesota, by the way, threw it 48 times, ran it 18 times against Green Bay, in part because they were down two scores entering the fourth quarter. The Bears ran it a little bit better against Green Bay. The the uh, the Vikings didn't. I just I don't feel the Redskins running game situation. I know what they did against Arizona. I think that's ultimately going to be the aberration, not the norm this year. The Redskins last week, by the way, on half of their second downs last week, faced second and nine or longer. The Skins are banged up along the offensive line as well. Um, I If they do run it, it's a bonus. They keep Rodgers off the field. They run the clock. They shorten the game. I just don't see that happening. Take what Green Bay gives you, though. Put your best players 
on the field for the majority of the snaps. Jordan Reed played 40 of the 74 snaps last week. He's healthy. That's not enough snaps. It's not enough of Jordan Reed being on the field. It would be nice if Doxon stepped up and became a factor. I'm not counting on it at this point. Give me Reed for 80% of the offensive snaps on Sunday and get him the ball if it's there. And if it's not, then it's going to be Crowder who is potentially open or it's Vernon Davis. I'd use Vernon Davis more in this particular game. He's a difficult matchup. All right, the wide receivers... It looks like right now the Redskins are desperate to find a solution at wide receiver. The trust in Doxon may not be there. Uh, Richardson is a little bit banged up. I have no idea if Perriman or Floyd are going to be available. Uh, We'll find out about that here momentarily when we have a guest join us to talk about that. But I want to see Reed get targeted 11 times, 9 catches, 95 yards in the game and a touchdown. I want to see Crowder targeted 10 times, 7 catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. I want to see Thompson targeted 6 times out of the backfield, maybe 7, and catches 5, no less, for 50 yards. That is the Redskins' best opportunity. Their best players on offense are Reed, Crowder, and Thompson. Reed can't be on the on the field for 40 of 74 snaps. He's got to be on the field for 80% of the snaps. I don't care if they run the ball with him on the field. Every time they pull him off, it's been a tell when they've had Sprinkle in the game. Keep Jordan Reed on the field. He's the biggest mismatch you can create. Let Jay do what he do, does best, which is find those mismatches, especially against man coverage, which Green Bay will be in more of than Indy was, and take advantage of it and throw it. I'm not saying to completely abandon the run. They got to stay balanced. I'm just not confident they're going to run it well. Daniels is still there. They're still very good up front defensively. All right, let's bring in Ben Standig. Uh, Ben is a friend. Ben covers the Redskins for the Sports Capital with Brian McNally and Todd Dibas. They write, they blog. Go to thesportscapital.com to check them out. Ben, are there any injury concerns for Sunday's game? Well, I mean, to me, the, the the offensive line is a big one, right? I mean, Sean Laval, it doesn't sound like he's going to play based on where things that were going into uh, into Friday's practice. And I actually agree. Well, okay, so what's the plan? You're just going to put Rui at guard and, and move Birch in the center. He's like, yeah. So in my head, I'm like, really? So now you're weakening. I mean, he, he claims that the Rui Bergstrom thing is kind of a wash, but I'm, I, I don't know. The whole thing seems weird, and the fact that like of all the players that they just, that they ended up back to Sean Lavelle starting in the first place, and then didn't have a real viable backup plan to me is. I mean, you can't solve all the problems in an offseason. I sort of get that, but this was such an obvious one because of the injury concern, if nothing else. And now we're here. Here they're at. So. I mean, that, that to me is a huge problem, especially coming off a week where they couldn't run the ball. And, um, you know, I, I'm a little – I'm still curious about the receiver situation. The fact that they brought in two guys who are not special teams players but are actual receivers says to me that there's got to be concern with either Richardson's shoulder or Maurice Harris's, con- Maurice Harris's concussion to the point where those guys might play. So I, I think that's concerning to some degree because, again, they haven't gotten anything on the perimeter really going. And so, you know, to have to go down to hypothetically two guys they just picked up would be problematic. 
You know, uh, back to, to Laval, it's really funny because I had this conversation with a friend uh, the other day who said, well, who cares if Sean Laval's out? He's terrible. And, you know, it's one of those players, it's sort of like the Ryan Grant thing there for a few years. It's like, you know, we, we don't see what apparently the coaches see. One At one point last year, early in the season, Jay walked into the studio where Cooley and I were doing the show, and somehow the conversation got to Sean Laval, and he just looked at me and Cooley, and he said, Sean Laval's good. What's wrong with Sean Laval? Like, there, there is always a, in, the conversations that we have as media and fans of the team are very often surprising conversations to the coaching staff. And I think that Sean Laval fits that bill. I think Ryan Grant did there for a few years. Like, they didn't realize these conversations we were having. They're like, no, no, no. Our, we, we grade him out pretty high based on what his responsibilities are on, a, on each given play. But you're right. I, I, I felt like they had a guard need coming in. I think everybody did. I just don't think they did. Uh, but now we're at Chase Rouillet moving from center to guard, and we got Bergstrom uh, in its center. Uh, you jumped ahead on the receiver thing that I was going to ask you about, but you didn't answer this part of it. Do you think Perriman and Floyd will be active on Sunday, either one of them? Well, I guess depending on what – I mean, Maurice Harris has been practicing, so I'm going to assume he'll be active. So my guess is no. The reality is they have seven receivers. Two of them will be inactive just because that's one of them had been inactive. They were only having five up anyway, and one of the four running backs was down. Now there's only three running backs, so two of the receivers will be down, and I would presume it would be both of them, assuming Richardson and Harris are, are fine. It was just more of the point of if you're bringing in these types of guys, it sort of signals to me that you're concerned about your top receivers, not just straight depth. Uh, I mean, I have no idea what to make either one of them. Perriman's obviously been a total bust in Baltimore. I love Floyd coming out of college and he was pretty good in Arizona for a little bit. And then off the field issues seemed to derail him, but you know, coming in on a short week, what we or not a short week, but coming in, you know, having to jump in quickly. And I just hard to imagine that you're ready to go and, and be a, an actual uh, starter or, 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 or play real snap. So I would be surprised if either of them are available or, or either of them are up this week. All right, uh, Ben Standing is with us. Um, this is a serious question. It's a macro question, and and I ask it because very often um, these things come out of nowhere, and none of us, you know, those of us, well, like you, who truly cover the team day to day, those of us that follow the team or talk about the team every day, lots of times we don't see these things coming. But I'm going to ask you this question: Do you think there's any possibility? that Jay Gruden could be in trouble during the bye week if they play Sunday like they did last Sunday against the Colts? Um, no. I, uh, that said, I get your point, and I, I do think that that's an overriding factor to the whole season. In other words, I, I'm, I'm 100% convinced the Alex Smith trade was made for two reasons. One, they weren't going to divorce themselves from Kirk Cousins without having a new girlfriend immediately. And two, Jay Gruden and Bruce Allen have got to realize they're on the hot seat. I mean, I interviewed Jay Gruden a couple of weeks ago one-on-one, and we talked about sort of the aspect of, like, the, the, this team is built to win now, but you had a bunch – but you've got, like, 21 first-year players and rookies on the team. And also he talked about how he's like the – there's only like 10 coaches in the league who have more current longevity with their current team than him. Yet of all those other 10, like six of them have been to a Super Bowl with their current team and eight have been to a Super Bowl at some point in their career. Do you feel compelled to have to take that next step? And his response was, yeah, it's basically time to put up or shut up. 
So I, I think he understands that's a thing. So based on all of that, I think it's in the realm of possibility. I mean, they would have to probably get destroyed by Green Bay Network rather than just a mere loss. But, yes, I mean, I, I, I and I don't think Gruden gets fired during the season. But to your point of could it happen, yeah, I do think, like I said, the overriding – an overriding theme to this season is it is sort of a make-or-break year for Gruden, I, I, I would have to imagine. So All right, what, if people get crazy, who knows? What kind of crowd do you think they're going to have there Sunday? I think there'll be a lot of people there in green and uh, wearing cheese head hats. Although I, I guess that's the whole thing, right? The, the supposed thing with the ticket brokers, they were trying to make it such that that couldn't happen. So I, I don't know. We'll guess we'll see how people seem to find a way to to, to, to get around it. I, I, it doesn't like my take on the Redskins. Forget all the the crowd stuff and the losing. It just felt like this was a very uninspiring team this year. If they hadn't drafted guys, my take was they might have been the boringest team in the league. There just weren't exciting storylines. No more Kirk Cousins contract talk. Alex Smith, you know, defines meh. Like nobody's that excited about him. Not saying good or bad. He's just not interesting. And the rest of the team, we've sort of been there, done that. They didn't make any major splashy moves. So I don't think this team is terribly exciting. Now, on top of that ad, coming off a bad loss, coming off the you – know, people don't love that stadium, the traffic, all these things. So, yeah, I'm not expecting much difference compared to last week. Other than I suspect a lot of Green Bay people show up. Uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, the sportscapital.com for Ben, for Todd, for Brian. They do a great job covering all the local teams. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it, as always. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, just come for me. Those guys will just be bonus, but just come for me. No, I'm just <laughs> Thanks, Pre- man. Appreciate it, Ben. All right, give me a moment here to, to thank somebody and tell you that if you've been thinking about new windows, you must consider Window Nation. I'm back doing this podcast. One of the first to reach out to support this new venture was Window Nation. Harley's been a good friend of mine for many years as they supported the station and supported me on 980. Uh, we talk a lot about sports, and he is so excited this morning because he is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan, and they finally won a game last night. Uh, if you like this show and you've been thinking about new windows, I promise you that you will be pleased if you call Window Nation. They're back-to-school sales in full effect right now. You get one free window for every window you buy, wood or vinyl styles buy four get four free buy eight get eight free there's no limit get an a plus in savings and receive zero percent interest for five full years that's like a free ride until 2023 call window nation now 866-90-NATION that's 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and please tell them that i told you to call Dan Steinberg joins the show, of course, for years, my favorite sports radio transcriber ever. Just kidding, of course. But Dan, of course, uh, with the Washington Post. So you and me and I think everybody else um, had all of these reasons that were completely intuitive for the home opener crowd last week being so sparse. Losing, dysfunction, stadium sucks, all of that stuff. But I was talking to Barry the other day. Barry's Verluga had him on the show. And it sort of hit us both at the same time. All of the obvious reasons, Dan, may have resulted in a smaller home opening day crowd, but not that much smaller. Do we have any idea at this point why nobody showed up for a 1-0 team in a home opener on what turned out to be a beautiful day? Well, I've thought about it a lot. I, I mean, I, I wasn't there. I don't go to the things anymore. But some people said that maybe the difference wasn't as dramatic as the difference in numbers because – the team maybe wasn't honest about numbers in the past. And so maybe a big part of the 
numerical difference was just the team being more honest about the number of people than it had been. I don't know. I mean, it looked remarkably empty to me. So I think there's got to be something more than that. Some people said maybe there's the, you know, it was beautiful on the day, but there was the hurricane forecast. Maybe people just decided, hey, I'm not doing it this weekend. I mean, there's a lot of things. I was just talking today with someone. Like, who on the team, and I don't know if people make decisions on whether to go or not based on this, but who on this team is, like, worth the price of admission as, like, a star? Do you know what I mean? If you're winning, that doesn't matter, probably. But I was just thinking, like, Aaron Rodgers is someone I would love to watch play football, and I can't think of anyone close to that level on this roster. I think Geis is probably the guy that people were most curious to see, and he's not playing. So, I, I mean, I can just add more reasons to your list, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it just was – and people that were there said it was even less than what the announced yeah. paid crowd was. And you may be right. I mean, we know that there have been inflated numbers in the past. I mean, at the end of the year, in a bad weather game when they're out of it, that's been dreadful to see. And I, I think we've seen buildings that haven't even been a quarter filled, like the Kansas City snow game a few years ago. Um, last year at the end of the year, it, it was weak. But this was a home opener. I, I, I thought maybe you might have um, some insight on sort of the aftermarket because they they pulled some of those tickets back. They were selling, selling them directly on Redskins.com, which right. may have prevented uh, the opportunity for super low price tickets or for – now the Colts weren't going to bring a big crowd anyway, but for out of out of market teams fans to get tickets, which by the way they've thrived on in yeah. recent years, they've needed Eagle and Giant and Cowboy fans to buy tickets. I remember when the Steelers were here the you know two years ago for the opener, it was it was forty percent Pittsburgh fans. And I think there'll be a lot of Green Bay fans. And I, th- I, I do, mean, too. I do think that's that's another part of it is that Indianapolis just doesn't seem like the kind of market that's going to fill some of those empties the way so many of those opponents you just mentioned are. But I, I mean, I, this is something that you and I have talked about before. I think every off season, just about for the last five or six years, they've done something that might make 500 or a thousand people say, you know what? I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, whether it's part of the in-game experience stuff or some of the off-field stuff. Like I think the McLuhan thing, you know, maybe the vast majority of the fan base is okay with that. But if you lose a thousand people who say, I don't like the way this went down, I don't feel comfortable supporting this product anymore. The, those 1,000 people I don't think are being replaced. Like, who is saying in 2016, you know what, I really am going to throw myself into the Redskins right now. I, so I think you lose people, people who are upset about the way the Cousins thing was handled. I think you lose people from that. You lose people from the McLuhan thing. You lost people from the RG3 thing. And I think some of those people just aren't being replaced. And so when you add that with everything that we've talked about, I think it just kind of becomes what we saw. And And I don't think it'll be like that every week. I think – you know, this week will be different. I think that when the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants come, it'll be different. But I think it's, the possibility is there for some really, really ugly-looking crowds. I don't think there's any doubt that what you say is true, and I I agree with it. And I and I've I've talked about it for the last few years. And you know, the the organizational arrogance to a certain degree has really impacted this. The 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 stumbling and bumbling and dysfunction has impacted this, but. It was such a drop from yeah, recent right. years that the, that that had to be something else. All right, I, I one more thing on this. Well, you know, with, when you we talk about the secondary market, I think people didn't totally realize what was going on, and pe- prices were actually, I believe, they were actually higher on the secondary market than they were buying from the team because there were less tickets that had been kind of flooded under the secondary market, and so right. maybe people didn't realize that, and it actually 
would have been cheaper to just go on Ticketmaster and buy a ticket in the 400 level from the team than from the secondary market. And that was definitely a change from the past, and maybe people sort of need to adjust to that. Well, the seven people that bought tickets in the 400 <laughs> level, I don't know how I got them, but that level was completely empty. Um, yeah. If they were to come to you and ask you what's the solution, um, how do we get sellout crowds, bigger TV ratings again, elite-level interest in the team, what would your answer be? Wow, that's hard. I mean, that's hard because when you come, you know, I would say there's feels like there's more excitement and vitality and all, all those things around some of the other teams in town, but at the same time, the other teams in town can't touch the Redskins' interest or TV ratings or any of that stuff. So, you know, I think they've lost some people, and I don't know how they're going to get them back. I don't know how they're going to get kids back other than, you know, the way that the Capitals and the Nationals attracted kids, which was by being competitive with superstars. And, and you can't really fake your way to that. You know what I mean? You sort of have to earn it. And, like, the Nationals and Capitals earned it by being really, really bad for a while and getting high draft picks. So I, that doesn't seem like a great recommendation, really. But, I mean, I, you and I both know that – seven and nine, eight and eight territory that they've been in for like three or four years now is just the worst place to be. You know what I mean? People are talking about, would you rather be a Browns fan or a Redskins fan right now? I mean, of course you don't really want to say you'd rather be a Browns fan, but he was exciting last night. He was exciting and kind of fun to watch and you'd look forward to seeing him again next week. Do you know what I mean? And and I don't know that, like, I don't know if you're a a 10-year-old kid who's been on the fence if Alex Smith is going to make you feel that same way. Well, I mean, this would have taken vision, right? It would have taken vision for them to say, uh, since we don't want number eight, let's trade him. Let's get a number one pick from the 49ers, and let's take one of those really good young quarterbacks in the 2018 draft. But vision is something they've always lacked. I I may have – maybe the way to to sort of get to um, a better answer or a better discussion is to discuss the floor. How bad could it actually get? Wow, you're so negative now. Jeez. What do you mean so negative now? I, I, yeah. I actually think that the roster's a decent roster, and they should I know be you able to. I heard you yesterday. I, I told you I was listening to your podcast yeah, while but, I was but, yesterday. But, you were saying you think it's the best, the best young talent they've had for years. I think in 10 years it's the best young talent they've had. I do. But, but, if the, it, but Sunday, you, you can't – if there are more of, of the Colt game um, situations, like how low could this go? Could you have a television rating in October when the season's still in play of, of the 11-something that they did against the Chargers last year in December? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's also possible that the season might not still be in play in October. <laughs> well, Theoretically, that's true, too. I mean, you, look at the, you look at the schedule, and you know, I, some of it depends on some of these other teams where you really don't have a feel after two weeks, but... I mean, if they get if they get off to like a two and five start or something, which I don't think is completely impossible, yeah, man, it could that could get ugly. But I mean, we're we're, we're talking about larger forces too. Obviously, larger forces for NFL television ratings and people who are turned off on both sides of the political spectrum. People who've been turned off from the protests. People who've been turned off from the head injuries. People who've been turned off by the response to the protests. So I mean, they're working against a lot of things, and I think that. And look, even as long as we're talking about this, I think the name has turned off a not insignificant number of local people. And I mean, I don't think it's close to a significant enough that it would be in their best interest to change it. I don't think it's anywhere near that. But I think you lost some people. And when I when I was writing about it this week, people were writing me, you know, unprompted, like, "Hey, I'm a 23 year old who moved to D.C. and I root for the Caps and Nats, and I can't root for the Redskins because of the name." And so there's like a lot of, you know, a lot of small chunks. I think make it hard to get back to where they were at one point. I don't I mean I can't imagine they're ever going to get back to that point, but 
I don't know. I mean, I, it's still an NFL franchise with hundreds of thousands of fans. And when you see at road games, you see the turnout from right. Redskins fans. It's it's still amazing. There's people who have like really fond feelings still and and really loyalty. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know where it would I don't know where it would bottom out. But I think that we haven't seen for since since this new sort of apathy really took hold. We haven't seen them actually be really bad. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see what would happen if they were really bad. You know, 2013 bad again. I, th- I think it would be way, way uglier if they had a record like that now than it was then. Let's switch subjects real quickly. Um, how big will the Caps opener against Boston be on October 3rd in this town? How big will it be played up? I don't know. I actually just got a press release like five minutes ago about some of the festivities that the Caps are having. I think they're starting the celebration outside at like 4 o'clock, and there's going to be you know kind of a red carpet. And I, th- I think NBC um, – Sports Washington is going to be live from four o'clock. If I read that correctly, um, it'll. I mean, I don't know. It'll be big, but it's not. It's not. It's not going to be the feeling that we had last spring. That was. There was so much like spontaneity to it, and right. so much just kind of elation and joy. And I mean, I think the uh, Caps have a huge amount of wiggle room with people this year. I think they could be really bad on the ice, and people would still be like grinning ear to ear for months and months and months because of what they did. But I'm not sure if like I don't I don't sense a ton of like buzz for the start of the season necessarily. Do you? Uh, well, I was just curious if we're going to get the thousands in the street outside, you know, a sold out Capital One Arena for the opener for the. Well, for certainly the it'll be sold out. Yeah, but I well, yeah, no, guess. the tickets are a fortune in the aftermarket yeah. right now. A yeah. fortune for that. I mean, game. it's a great. It's a like that's that's an irreplaceable moment. Oh yeah, love to be at that. You no know? doubt. Yeah, but I don't. I, I would guess not to the thousands outside. But I haven't really heard. I. It would be cool if they did. I mean, I don't think anyone would – everyone who was around that scene last year would want it to happen again because it was just, like, awesome and intoxicating. But I would guess – I guess I would be surprised if October at the arena is anything like June was. Are Bryce Harper's final games potentially here in D.C.? Is that big, um, as you call it, clickbait for you or not? No, no. You know, nothing is. And this is like – go back to the Redskins for a second – uh, like I feel like we've almost like milked it dry. Like even we've milked like the angst dry. We've milked everything dry, and now it's like I, I'm like shocked and disappointed and stunned by the lack of clicks that we're getting on Redskins stuff. Really, I I don't know how to reverse that. And it's like a you know when people think that we take joy in like the team's occasional struggles or whatever, it's like a bad deal for us when people lose interest. That is, and that's I'm for you too, obviously. And you have to kind of hope that people want to take the journey with you anyhow just to kind of experience it with you but I think that like the independent interest in the team being what it is it hurts us badly right now it's troubling to me um but yeah no I don't think the Bryce thing is is huge I mean I think the offseason is going to be a much bigger um source of clicks than the last week or so I would imagine he'll get huge ovations repeatedly over the next few days but I also would imagine there's going to be lots of empty seats. All right, let's get to the most important thing that I have for you um, today, and that is what games do you like this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to the smell test yet. Has it been published? Uh, yeah, I no. I've listened to it first. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've done, um, I think I'm a game, two games under 500. I had a, a winning week last week, four and three No, I mean last this week. Have you, have you come out with No, 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 yet? I'm doing it right after I get done with you. Uh, I'm doing uh, the you smell know, test. I, I'm so busy at work nowadays as an editor that I really use my weekends to do that, and I don't like Thursdays and Fridays. Just so you're not you're not studying all week anymore. I I look a lot less than I used to, which is 
strange, but probably healthy in a way. Well, let me just so say that I don't think it actually will impact the results. If, if you were to throw together a three-team parlay at 12.55 on Sunday versus you know really studying it on Wednesday, I know. it's not going to increase your odds of winning. I'll say this. I've liked the Bills the first two weeks Me of the too. season when they've lost by a combined like 90 I've points. I like them. them again this week. Me too. I like them again this week. <laughs> I like them too. Because why? Because you think the same way I do, and that yeah, is absolutely. that nobody yeah. is going to have the Bills this week, and they're getting 16 and a half. Yeah, right I mean, now. I think any any team that is ever getting six, but I, I mean, whatever. I've been terrible. I liked the Cardinals last week, right? You probably did too, right? Uh, last week, did I have the they Cardinals? They're getting like thirteen and a half or whatever. No, I didn't like the, I didn't like the Cardinals last week. You didn't? No, no. I'll, I'll tell you what actually totally fits the smell test this weekend, and I'm I'm about to get to it, so I'll give Redskins? out Redskins. Redskins, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. They definitely yeah. fit it. I mean, Wait, is it three or two and a half? It's three, but I've seen some two and a halves out there, which yeah. is always an indication that totally. you know they yep. want you to bet. You know, they want you to bet Green Bay. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I would have mentioned that one. I, but I mean, if I was betting Redskins, I would, I would just bet the money line, right? Yeah, why not? Uh, although yeah. you know, with their luck, I mean, they'll just yeah. they'll lose you know twenty four twenty three on a last second kick. Um, th- I do think that though. I think that's a that's a good one. Redskins and Bills, the two teams of the cities I've lived in. There you go. There you go. I mean, put them together in a parlay. You've done that before. You know how to do that. I'm familiar with. The <laughs> You're familiar operation. with it. All right. Thanks. Have you been to Have you been to Charleston? Yet? I have not. Tommy uh-huh. went. Tommy's been a couple of times. Uh-huh. And he's he went the first weekend it opened, and he said it's a good sports book. I mean, it's not Vegas. You know, yeah. it's not Mandalay Bay. It's it's not any of the real big time sports books out in Vegas. But he said it was it was it was good. It was a good experience. I. Uh, you know, that conversation's a completely different one for a different day. I think people like you and me who have done this illegally forever aren't, aren't, you know, aren't going to be overly excited about going to place a wager at a sports book. I think no, but I would, I would be excited about – I mean, theoretically, if it was a good setup, I would be excited about going and spending like eight hours on a Saturday there with some friends. Well, yeah, with you some friends. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get, some, get some beers and like watch the games together. It, and, it's a know, good go environment. And make some halftime bets and stuff. I, I actually stopped at Delaware Park once. Um, you, and? Before, before the British Open, and I was like pretty disappointed by it. It was, it was not anything close to Vegas, and I was like, wow, I wouldn't go out of my way to spend eight hours here really. So Right, but a lot of people that are just – becoming the the people that have never done this before that will be introduced to it through legalized sports gaming in the areas that they live in and they don't they haven't been to Vegas 15 times throughout their life to to spend Saturdays or Sundays in the fall on a sports book it it will be it will be exciting for them to be in a smaller you know, kind of an environment where they can actually wager. Um, I think so. And if it was next door to my house or if it was like five minutes from my house, I'm sure I would go all the time, you know. All right, thanks for doing this. Good luck this weekend. I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Say hi to Harley and Aaron for me. I will indeed. All right, let's get to the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for for the the smell smell test. test. All right, the smell test uh, is 9-11-1 on the season. I had that hideous week one before the podcast even started. I just tweeted out a smell test week one uh, card, and it was 1-4 that weekend. So it's been much better uh, since. It's been, um, you know, since then it's been 8 uh, it's been eight, six, and one since, I guess, something like that. Anyway, um, the smell test, for those of you who don't know, is what Ralph Wesley, 
uh, the young fella, uh, just uh, announced coming in with the intro. And that is I just look for, the, for where the public money is and I go opposite when it's a heavy public bet. So when the public's convinced that they've identified an incorrect Vegas line and they line up on one side, I just short them. I, I fade the public. I go in opposite of that. And the smell test it actually includes a little bit more than that. Uh, I have offshore contact, contacts uh, for many years. Um, the various places in which some of these uh, offshore casinos have been offering the opportunity for many of us to place wagers uh, on sports. And when sharp bettors are lined up on the opposite side of the public, that ensures that a smell test pick uh, is on its way. Uh, let's start with tonight. Uh, I've got a lot of picks. I'm going to rip through them, and then Scott Van Pelt, I think, will join us too. Um, tonight, Florida Atlantic is playing at number 18, UCF. UCF is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, the numbers sometimes play a meaningful role in a smell test selection. 14 is a key number. There are key numbers in football betting, 3, 7, 10, 14, and when you get up there in college games, 17, 21, 28, etc., all right. Those are key numbers because people will look at those those numbers and their perception is, hey, if somebody's laying 13 and a half, all they got to do is win by two touchdowns and I win the bet. And the number 18 team, UCF, <clears throat> is playing Florida Atlantic. Now, Florida Atlantic beat Air Force. They're not a bad team. All right. But right now, most of the public action is on UCF. A lot of that action is on UCF, and the number is just hanging there at 13 and a half. And why is that significant? Because basically, sports books and Vegas odds makers are telling you, we don't really care how many of you decide that you want to take UCF laying 13 and a half. We're comfortable with you laying 13 and a half and knowing that we would lose if they win by 14. So you've got some sharp money. You got a key number in there that's just st standing still at thirteen and a half, and you've got a Florida Atlantic team that's playing an in-state uh, team where a lot of the kids played each other in high school. So it's a bit of a rivalry game. Take Florida Atlantic tonight plus the thirteen and a half, and buy the hook. All right, buy it to plus fourteen if you're going to play it. So you get you get those full two touchdowns. And for those of you that don't understand that, you can buy half points and pay more on a loss. All right. So if your normal loss is a hundred and ten on a hundred dollar bet, you can buy a half point to get it from 13.5 to 14 with Florida Atlantic and pay minus 120 as an example. All right, so you'd lose 120 on a $100 bet. All right, let's go to Saturday. There are several games on Saturday I like. I'm going to start with number 14. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to start with number three, Georgia, laying 14 at Missouri. Missouri's 3-0. They barely beat Purdue on the road. They crushed Wyoming earlier. Drew Locke, their quarterback, is big at 6'4", 230, and he's good. In three games, he's completing nearly 70% of his passes. He's got 11 touchdowns, one interception. Mizzou... All right, the Tigers, Mizzou, Missouri, they can move the football. Now, Georgia doesn't allow you to move it. They're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. The number at 14 for a road game, if you're new to this thing, you'd think that's a lot of points. Actually, it's not. Uh, and the fact that it's at 14 and not four, you know, 15 or 16, 
Again, sort of like the 13.5, but not so much like the 13.5 because 13.5 is a clear indication, all right, that the, the, the house wants you to play the favorite. In this case, they may not be sure, which is why the number's hanging out at 14. I just have seen so much public money come in on Georgia this week. It's going to be a big need game in Vegas. They're going to need Missouri plus the 14 points. So take them plus the 14 points. Purdue is 0-3. They're playing host to number 25 Boston College. Now, I will tell you, I love Boston College. I think Steve Adazio is one of the best coaches that nobody pays attention to in the country. And BC's got a good team this year. Now, Purdue's been close. They lost to Missouri by three last week. They lost by a point to Eastern Michigan. And in the opener, lost by four uh, to Missouri. They've been close. They've played well. They can score. They're getting seven at home against Boston College. The public's all over the Eagles. Take the Boilermakers plus the seven. Ohio University is at Cincinnati. Interstate battle here. Rivalry game, sort of. It's not Cincinnati's Xavier in basketball, um, but it is two Ohio teams, and Cincinnati's gotten off to a good start. They're 3-0. and They've been very good defensively. They blew out UCLA. They shut out Miami of Ohio. But Ohio is a team that can score. They're the team that lost to UVA last week, 45-31. They're catching eight on the road. The public likes Cincinnati. There's some sharp money on Ohio. Take Ohio University plus the eight. Nevada is plus 10.5 at Toledo. The game opened at 12, all right? So it's down to 10.5. Public money never moves a line. Sharp money moves a line, and it's moved it a point and a half. That's a big move. Public money all over Toledo. I don't know anything about either one of these two teams. Nothing. Take Nevada plus the ten and a half. Tell you who the public's playing in a big way this weekend is Navy. The midshipmen are two and one. But they haven't had that overwhelming running attack and scoring offense that they've had in recent years. They're playing SMU this weekend. SMU's 0-3, and SMU's getting less than a touchdown right now. They're getting 6.5. That's the current line, and I use current lines when I'm doing this smell test. The lines can move around, but I keep it at whatever the the number is uh, when the smell test is released on Fridays. SMU plus 6.5. They're a major anti-public play. I like SMU plus the six and a half. Again, if you're going to play SMU, buy the hook, buy the extra half point to get it to plus seven. ODU is getting, that's Old Dominion, uh, is getting 27 and a half at Virginia Tech. Another massive public play this weekend are the Hokies laying the 27 and a half. Give me Old Dominion plus the 27 and a half. And again, in that situation, it's a half point below a key number at 28. That's one of the reasons I like ODU even more, but I would also urge you to buy the half point. Uh, Two more college games. Georgia Tech's plus 15 versus Clemson in Atlanta. Uh, Clemson, a heavy public lean this weekend. There's some sharp money on the Yellow Jackets. Give me Georgia Tech plus the 15. And LSU, after that big win over Auburn last week, they're laying less than three touchdowns. They're laying 20 and a half uh, against Louisiana Tech, a team that may be a bit underrated Public loves LSU. Recent impressions on them take Louisiana Tech plus the 20 and a half. Again, a half point below a key number, so buy it to 
21. Let's go to Sunday where the Colts are plus seven at Philadelphia and the Eagles are one of the big public plays of the weekend with Carson Wentz back at the helm. Take the Colts plus the seven at Philadelphia. This will be a huge need for Vegas uh, for the Colts to cover that number. Uh, the Redskins are plus three at home, and there are some plus two and a halves out there. Green Bay is a major public play this weekend. Why? Because they've actually, with Aaron Rodgers, have been very good. All right, they beat the Bears in that big comeback. Should have beaten the Vikings had Clay Matthews not been called for roughing the passer, but they ended up tying Minnesota. Redskins last week looked awful in front of a. a, a, a crowd that barely showed up. The public loves Rodgers this week. Laying three, it's a perceived short number. The Redskins are a smell test pick, and I will just tell you that in the years that I have had the Redskins in the smell test, whether as the team that I had or they were in a game where I took the other side, in games involving the Redskins in the smell test, I'm 64.1% over 12 years. Did I kind of make up that number? No, I didn't. I actually am 64.1% on smell test games involving the Redskins over the years. Now, there were a couple of years where I couldn't find every pick that I had, but for the last eight years, I found them all. All right. There are two teams that you will think that I'm completely nuts to play, and I probably am. I've had the Bills involved in the smell test the first two weeks of the season because I knew that Vegas, I knew that your bookie, I knew that every sports book anywhere that exists would need Buffalo, and they didn't even get close uh, two weeks ago against uh, against Baltimore in the opener. And then who blew who blew out Buffalo last week? I can't even remember at the this Rams. point. The Rams. No, no, not the Buffalo didn't. Lose oh no, the Rams no, this uh, week. Buffalo San lost San Diego. to San Diego. Yes, uh, to the Chargers. Yes. Um, this week, they're at Minnesota getting 16 and a half. Take the Bills. Buy the half point if you want. Take the Bills plus the 16 and a half. Uh, the other team are the Detroit Lions. They're getting six and a half in the Sunday night game against the Patriots. This is, right now, on the board, the biggest one-sided public play of the weekend. 79% of the action right now, according to a lot of the offshore books that I follow, 79% of the action is on New England, laying six and a half. Key number, it's under seven. They're not really moving that number. It may bounce to seven. You should buy the half point to get it to seven, but take the Lions plus the six and a half. I thought about the Cardinals, but I'm not playing the Cardinals. All right, repeating, because I got a lot of games this weekend, so I'm going to go uh, in order, starting with tonight. I've got Florida Atlantic plus 13 and a half tonight. Missouri plus 14 tomorrow, Purdue plus seven tomorrow, Ohio plus eight on Saturday is a smell test pick, Nevada plus ten and a half, SMU plus six and a half, Old Dominion plus 27 and a half, Georgia Tech plus 15, Louisiana Tech plus 20 and a, and a half. Yes, not one favorite. Those are all underdogs. And by the way, same thing on Sunday. I've got the Colts plus seven, the Redskins plus three, the Bills plus 16 and a half, and the Lions plus six and a half. There are some numbers there that I have this weekend that could really burn me because personally, I will buy the half points on all those six and a halves and all those 16 and a halves and the 13 and a half. So I will personally have the Lions Sunday night plus seven or better. 
Uh, but for the smell test purposes, I'm playing the Friday line, so I get him at six and a half. Let's bring in Scott Van Pelt. Uh, sorry about yesterday, and thank you for today. We uh, we had internet issues yesterday, so thank you for That's doing okay. this. That's okay. I have phone issues a lot, right? Yeah, you do, and um, you did last week too. But I didn't even bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up. Right. You know, thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, champ. Um, <laughs> I, let me just start with this because I, I I don't know your position on this. Somebody told me that you were tweeting about the guy that played the in-game wager on Denver against Oakland last week on the incorrect uh, money line odds, should have paid out 82000 Initially, the sports uh, casino, I think it may have been a FanDuel uh, casino, said they wouldn't pay mm-hmm. it, but now they are paying it. What was your position on that? Well, I did a whole – I did one big thing on it on the show. I missed and, it. Um, and and it's been so it's been so much fun because it's been furious debate with people about this, where where people are completely convinced on on both sides that they're absolutely correct. All right, the, the, the Cliff's notes are, are, are this. Um, my my position is that the guy. Hold on a second. Hey, buddy. Hold on a second. Daddy's on a, a very important podcast. Damn right okay, he is. I'll talk to you in just a second. All right, it's my son. He's, he's been ill. Yeah. I just want to give my son a little hug there and some encouragement. That's there we nice. go. Okay, so the guy won $82,000 because of some ridiculous glitch where he got like plus 75000 for for per 100. It was plus 750 and to one. It was plus 750. Correct. <laughs> In a two-point game. And, that, and that's a glitch because at no point in that game was Denver actually plus 750. And the odds should have been as they moved into – uh, field goal territory, like minus six hundred. Right. How the glitch happens, I don't know. And they, it happened, and the guy had a ticket, and he they offered him way more than what he should have won, and he said no. And then all of the the mob assembled, the internet mob assembled, and the internet mob demanded he be paid because the internet mob has no common sense, and <laughs> they and and FanDuel caved because it's bad PR and. You got to pay the guy, blah blah blah. Uh, in in no world should this guy get paid Agreed. the money. Okay, well, good. You got a ticket. You got a ticket, and it's okay. okay. If if you go and, and none, none of these analogies make sense to people because then no, again nobody can 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 think on the fly. But if you get an IR, if you're entitled to a refund from the IRS, and you're entitled to three hundred dollars, and they send you one hundred and fifty thousand. And they send you a receipt with your hundred and fifty thousand. Well, you've got this, this this piece of paper that came from them, and, and you've got the money. It's not your money. That's not what you're entitled to get. If you went to the bank and you you went to the uh, to withdraw two hundred dollars, and they gave you two twenty five thousand dollars, and again there's some receipt that showed that that was your money. It wasn't your money. This guy was not supposed to win this. And people are like those analogies aren't apples and apples. Okay, well then I'll just say it this simply: this is stealing, and because everyone hates the house. Everyone wants him to get money. Well, they've got the money. That's not the point. The point is no one cares that this wasn't what he was entitled to. And then this is my favorite. This is my favorite, Kevin. This is when the truly dumb people reveal themselves. Well, if he would have lost, they wouldn't have given him his money. <laughs> well, well, of course they wouldn't because he lost the bet. No one's saying this guy didn't win a bet. He won the bet. He just didn't win $82,000. And stupid people either can't process it or don't care. And I've had, I've, I've, I've gotten blue in the face, like, 
I mean, I'm arguing back and forth about this because I'm just, I'm, it's the principle. And it's also, in my opinion, like the facts of the matter. And people are so obstinate because they hate the house so much. And I don't, I would never root, root for the house in most instances. And I'm not rooting for the house here. I'm rooting for common sense. And I'm curious, as I finally stopped talking, do you agree with me? A hundred percent. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know which side you were coming down on. I, I will tell you that the other day when I did this story, I said there's no way he will get his money. It's it, he doesn't deserve it, and he won't get it. That they will have the the state gaming authority will rule on this, and they'll rule in favor of the sports book. I'm stunned that they reversed, and I think it's a dangerous precedent for them. Well, I, I said that last night on I said this last night on SportsCenter. I said, "Hey, look, this makes lots of people happy out there that you gave them the money, but you you have now figured you have now created the the uh, the precedent." And I said, "If I was you, if you want to take all these in-game wages, I, you better tighten up your algorithms or you're going to be broke because you're paying out $82,000 cuz somebody made a mistake on a $100 bet. You're paying out 82 grand." Um it just it's this is this is just it, it's stealing. You better be they, they they better be so care. tight they, they better be so tight on their technology because now you're going to have guys out there looking for the glitch, looking for course, it, and then and that, pointing. That's the other thing. That's the other thing, Kevin. This is this is a hundred percent. Someone I don't know if this person saw the window and took it. And if they did, again, that's stealing is what that is. No, that's just you just took an advantage of uh, you took advantage of whatever you can. Look, if you're on the on the side that he should get the money, you can twist yourself in, into whatever you know place you need to get to, to act like it's justified. It's stealing. It's stealing. It's not what the actual odds are. I'm I'm for everyone winning. I'm just not for everyone stealing, and this is stealing. You know, and the other thing about it too, and and, and this is going to happen with the legalization of something that hasn't been legal, because you're going to get this new group of people involved that has never done this before, and they're not going to understand this stuff. But you and I understand that. You know, if you're in Vegas, and let's just say there was a glitch that hurts you, like you, you, you had a team plus seven, and somehow the ticket printed out plus three, and you didn't realize it until after the game or midway through the game, they would completely bend over backwards to accommodate you. They would say, you're right, right. The, the line went off at plus seven, let's change that ticket and give it back to you and give you your winnings. It, when you are in... You, when you are right. in these places, the last thing they ever want to do is have the perception out there that they want to, that they're ripping you off. They're going to win right. playing it straight, no matter what you think they they, they are capable yeah. of doing. Yeah, but and then the, the, you could you could tell me like the, the last thing they say at the windows always they always say check your tickets and it's like all you, if you walk away all bets are final and okay I get it I understand all these things and yes. I'm not saying that a ticket doesn't exist that says this. I'm just saying that every single person, including the guy with the ticket, knows it wasn't supposed to be this. Right. And again, the part that I find amazing is no one cares. It's like it's like you would it's like like an ambulance chasing lawyer, and you you are, I got a lawsuit where I can win X number of dollars. Well, if that's what you want to do to win the money, then fine. That's that's what you're doing. This this no one believes, including this person with a ticket, that that's what you're entitled to. Well, he's got the ticket. That was the bet. Can you stop being dense yeah. and it just admit that it's not what it was? All right. like, that's not the actual 
that wasn't what the live in game was. All right, let's a switch. Team getting ready to kick a field goal from 36 yards wasn't plus 7,500. <laughs> no, but, no, and but no one cares. No one cares, yeah. and so everyone's happy that the guy won. And here's the thing: I'm not mad that you got money. I I don't care. I'm just mad that so many people are so effing dumb. Yeah, d- don't realize how wrong it was. I, I agree with you. Um, let's switch subjects because I have multiple subjects to get to you uh, on. Okay. Um, first up is Tiger. Fleetwood's tweet. Did you see his tweet after after they played together <laughs> Tiger yesterday? Woods is good at golf. Yeah, Tiger Woods <laughs> is good at golf. Um, the uh, I I I don't know if we've talked about this already, but I really believe that this is the sports story of the year, or certainly the most improbable sports story of the year, where he started from and where he is right now. Uh, your thoughts on him, and and by the way, his chance chances to potentially win for the first time this weekend. Well, as I've said all year, he's going to win this year, and this is the last chance. And he, you know, he might not. It's the best field, uh, or it's the best group of players playing the best, which is how they earned their way in here. By the way, how about Tony Finau? That kid shot his 16th straight round in the 60s. Incredible! Yesterday. That guy's unbelievable. Um, that's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in, in, in the context of the stories of the year. Um, What's a more improbable that, story than where he started and where he is today in sports? Well, no, but I was going to agree. I was going to agree with you, Kevin, yep. just because he, he a year ago he was ranked like 1100th in the world, and I think back to that story of when he came to congressional and like tried to hit the balls over the water, and he, and he put three in the water. And number ten. And, you know, he's wearing the and he's wearing the mic, and he's kind of trying to talk to himself, and he's kind of like, you know, trying to come on Tiger his way, and it's, it was it's just awful. It was pathetic. Like, oh, my God, this is so sad. Look at this dude. He can't do it anymore. Um, he fused his back together because that was like a last chance, like not to play golf, but just to be a, a regular, upright, walking human. So all of these things, like, were conspiring to tell you that it was over. And now he's out there hitting five woods on 18 and making eagles and – and people, people are just including his peers, Kevin. That's the fun part. Including Tommy Fleetwood, he'd never seen Tiger beat Tiger other than on television. So these these guys are psyched to be part of uh, of his uh, comeback story. So he's going to win, and when he does, it'll be that will be as uh, as remarkable a part of his story that includes all these wins already as all those wins because it wasn't supposed to happen. And here's the, here's the most uh, I think the most important or most amazing part of it. He didn't think he was going to do this. He didn't. Like he he had mentally got to a place where he's like, I got to be good with with what with what it's been because like I've done the most I can do. I've done what I can do, and if this is it, then this is it. But apparently, it's not it. And it, you know, it's it's interesting. We we talked about this two weeks ago, or uh, I think you and I did. Um, about if he's in contention on Sunday up against the NFL, what will it do? If he's sitting there in the lead in the final group on Sunday, I know a lot of people, a lot of people, my friends, that will be watching that uh, and not the NFL on Sunday if it gets That's to it. that. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. I mean, the NFL is tough. Like, you know, the Ryder Cup will be next week, and the Ryder Cup's pretty good. Right? Yeah. Um, but that, that doesn't do great against football. Uh, but Tigers, he, he's a singular thing, as we know. He is a... He is a one-man ratings boost, and uh, we we saw it certainly with the Open Championship and with the PGA. But you're, you weren't competing with football. Um, I mean, as as amazing a story as he is, football still, you know, and that's a fun different topic here about like the ratings and then being down and blah blah blah. But apparently, the ratings last night for the Browns were, were, were huge, and they're up 
um, in many instances. So I yeah. don't know. I don't know if I don't know what they'll be. I don't care. I don't necessarily look at that as a well, prison. It's, it's, I, I get what you. I get what you're saying. It's part of the story, and it certainly speaks to how how much interest there is. But whatever. I just I'm more interested in his numbers and how many uh, how many uh, under par they are. And, and just seeing if he could win again. All right. Uh, Scott Van Pelt with us. Um, by the way, on a podcast, they tell me that I don't need to reset like I do and did in radio. Good. Radio resets. For those that aren't in the business, <laughs> it's like this thing where you, you they, they tell you every every two minutes you're supposed to say, Scott Van Pelt joining us here on, this, on the uh, right. Gary Sub Shop uh, Hotline. Line. Yeah. Um, have you have you read any up. have you read any of the excerpts from the Belichick book that Ian O'Connor wrote? Have you read any of them yet? I have. Yeah, yeah, I had Ian on the show the other night to talk to me about it. Okay, so tell me about the one, and I'm going to paraphrase, where the assistant coach says that essentially the coaching staff never thought Brady was very good like the rest of the league did, and that they would have had the same results with any top 15 quarterback in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I find I, – I, I can't fathom that. You know, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't understand what, how that – that doesn't make sense to me. You know, I mean, I mean, not top fifteen. If they had had Rodgers or Breeze or a really, really good quarterback, Belichick's great. The coaching staff's been great, but it was really, uh, it was very um, diminishing. I think of of Brady's overall talent and accomplishments and and oh, no, was, and contribution it was, it was, I, I to it. it was, well, it's ridiculous. And then I and, and and I'd also ask, well, if that's the case, then why was Belichick's record what it was when he was in Cleveland and it didn't happen? Right. I mean, I just. I, I there were I mean I, what I'm most interested in as it relates to, to Belichick is is just the you know how he has managed to be like a Daniel Day Lewis method actor in public and keep who he is as a person so well shielded from us like I and, and O'Connor said that there is a soft side a human side to Belichick and said most people try to show their best side to the world and Belichick shows sort of his least appealing side to the world right that that's not the totality of the man. Like that to me is what's most interesting about him as a guy. I mean, the arrogance of coachings and whatever else. I, mean, I think, I don't know. I think I think they they as a group convince themselves that they're all great, and it's mostly been Brady and Belichick. Look, look at his coaching uh, his coaching tree when it's left. How many have been successful outside of there? Yeah, uh, I mean, what's the list? I mean, I'm I'm going blank right now. What's the list of? I mean. Well, Cr- Cornell is the most Cornell is the most notable, yeah. and now you got you got you got Patricia that's Mc, out there. Daniels did nothing. Who, no, I mean, and, and and people seem to think that he'll be good. Uh, he'll be good on his on his second try. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, just like just like Shashevsky or Duke, you know, I mean, the Quinn Snyder's and the and the Amakers and the Braves. I mean, there's there's success. You know, I mean, I'm not calling any of these people failures by any stretch, but just. You know, to think that because you sit next to a genius or you work with a genius sixty hours a week that you become one by proxy. I mean, that just it's just not accurate. Yeah, I mean the Parcells tree is certainly a hell of a lot more impressive than the Belichick tree, which is the tree that he came from. Um, of course, the the college uh, card. There's not a game tomorrow that's really overly compelling. It's it it may be the weakest Saturday of the year. Is there a game that I you're agree. looking forward to watching? Um, I well, I mean, there's. There are a bunch that I gave out in the winners that I'm curious. Uh, like, I want to hear them here watched, in a moment. Well, I watched Missouri play last week against Purdue just because I gave out Purdue, and that ended up being correct. But Missouri's very capable offensively, and I just I want to see if anyone's capable of making Georgia have to pay attention in the second half of the game. Um, you know, they went to South Carolina, and, and it was uh, you know 
mostly a blowout. So um, I just want to see. I think Missouri is capable offensively of at least making it a four-quarter game. So we're, in terms of like – Were they on your winner's list? I, I, we never do this yeah. on Friday, so I never know what your winners are in this yeah, – so who- I gave I gave out a bunch. Uh, I gave out Missouri as one. Uh, Indiana at home is only getting five from Michigan State. That was just yeah. as obvious as it gets. Um, I gave out Marshall at home against NC State. Same deal. They're getting like five from an ACC team. That seems like a pretty small number. Um, but I mean, just, you're asking me like in terms of a game. Stanford, Oregon at night, sure. But I mean, I don't know if I think Stanford's that good. Or Oregon, like I don't know if they're back in the big boy table of college football. There's just there's not that. You know, like this is the problem with college football this year is that Alabama is such a massive a favorite. They're playing an A and M team that with Jimbo and given the way they played Clemson at home, you go, oh, that's kind of cool. They're like a twenty eight point favorite. I know it's unbelievable. Twenty eight over over, right. over a team, by the way, right. that had a legit shot to beat Clemson a few weeks ago. Right, that's what I was just saying. Right, exactly. They played Clemson well. They lost by two to Clemson, who's one of the top four teams in the country, and it's. It's a four-touchdown game, and, and you'd be a fool to take the points. And this is from a guy that takes the points. But betting against Alabama, I mean, why bother? I mean, they gave up a touchdown in the first play of the game last week against Ole Miss, and so they scored 62 in a row on the road. And it could have been worse. They stopped trying. By, by, the, by the way, 13 smell test selections this week. All 13 are underdogs. You're giving out 13 picks? That's what I said. Yeah. Giving out thirteen, I've done I've done that before, and it it doesn't just so you know it doesn't increase or decrease or, or decrease your chances of winning or losing by giving out more games. The odds stay the no, same. I, I understand I, that, but I just liked a lot of games. I, I love Missouri. Okay. Missouri was a play. Yeah. I looked at Indiana and Marshall, both of them. Who are your fourth and fifth selections? Oh no, I gave out eight. It was um, oh, it it was Missouri, Oregon, Indiana, uh, Marshall. Um, who else? Georgia Tech. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, I mean, I'll, what about what about Florida Atlantic tonight? I didn't. I didn't bother. What about that. Purdue? See, I like them a lot, but I, they were on my almost made it list along with Oregon State. I think Maryland's on right. Yeah, Maryland. Um, I, I was close to Maryland. What about SMU? Yeah, I like them, but I mean, I just at some point I got to like I only have an hour on television. Your phone's breaking up there. Um. Is All it? right. Well, it, it was there briefly, but it, it, it's con- it, for the most part. I would give it. I'd give it an A minus today. It wasn't an A plus uh, last week. It was more uh, in the in the B minus range, but it was pretty ooh, good today. Well, well, okay. Well, and I was supposed to be on yesterday at eleven thirty, and nobody updated me. And I tried to carve out time. My very <laughs> I know, I that was my fault. For free. That was and so. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a C minus for your scheduling capabilities and uh, it was worse time. than that it was it was it was an f yesterday i i screwed up with yeah, everybody I, and I, I but see because i'm trying to help this 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 burgeoning podcast business of yours i'm here to I'm, I'm trying to give you encouraging marks i know thank you um i will talk to you later appreciate it as always Yep. Have a great day. Good luck with your 13 picks. Yeah, Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Good luck with your eight. Uh, The Kevin Sheehan Show podcast is presented by Window Nation. Tell people about it. Uh, If you're listening, you've either downloaded it on iTunes or TuneIn or Stitcher or one of those platforms. And if people ask you and they have a difficult time understanding uh, how to get a podcast, just tell them to go to thekevinsheehanshow.com. It's really easy. I put up a website. There's a big play button there. Uh, My father figured 
out how to do it the other night. He's never even heard of a podcast. So for those that don't know how to get it, just tell them, go to thekevinsheehanshow.com. That's the easiest way. And for those of you that are listening, if you haven't rated it, that helps. And subscribe as well. That helps uh, also. Let's get to Friday Football Quick Picks. Everything you need to know for your football weekend. It's Friday Football Quick Picks. All right, we've already given out a bunch of smell test picks. You just got Van Pelt's eight winners, or some of them. Um, it's not a good football Saturday. It really isn't. Sunday's unbelievable. The best games of the weekend. The Georgia-Missouri game is interesting, and I gave Missouri out as a smell test pick plus the 14. They can score. This guy, Drew Locke, is a good quarterback. He's an NFL prospect quarterback. They can move the football and score. Georgia's defense is so good, but that is an interesting game to me. Stanford-Oregon, not so much. I know this is the ABC Saturday night game, and you've got, uh, you know, Aaron, sort of Oregon's a bit of a surprise so far. Stanford, I have no idea how good they are because SC is terrible and they yep. handled SC, so that's not really an, an indication of anything. You know, Bama is a 27-point favorite over Texas A&M in the CBS 330 SEC game. Are you kidding me? 27 <laughs> points over a team that Clemson barely beat uh, just two weeks ago. They beat them 28-26. Uh, in College Station. I'll give you a game that's interesting on Saturday. Mississippi State at Kentucky is interesting. If you're really into college football, um, you know that Mississippi State's been a bit of a sleeper pick by many to do really well in the SEC West. They're ranked 14th in the country right now. They're talented. Um, they're off to a really good start. Uh, they've, they, they've got a brutal schedule. Um, but they're playing Kentucky, who's also off to a 3-0 and start. This is Mark Stoops now in, what, year six, something like that, Aaron? You know, they've been to back-to-back bowl games. Um, his quarterback is a major dual-threat guy. That game looks interesting. Mississippi State's laying nine in Lexington on Saturday night. We'll find out if Mississippi State's for real or if Kentucky ends up being maybe a surprise team in the SEC East. Really, though, the best games of the weekend are on Sunday. You've got Saints at Falcons on Sunday. That's a huge early week three game in the NFC South. Yeah. Um, Julio, uh, Julio Jones apparently is fine. Um, I don't know if Devontae Freeman's back yet. I don't think he is, but I don't really think they need him. Evan Coleman's running just as well. And Ridley is starting to look pretty good. I like the Falcons. I think they're very good. Um, I liked the Saints last year, not so much this year. They clearly are struggling on defense so that defense far. defense looks like not last year's, but the Two previous years, ago. years yeah. Um, that's an interesting game. Bengals at Panthers, all right, 2-0 Cincinnati at Carolina. Carolina's banged up a little bit, but Carolina, I think, you know, has right now a good football team capable of once again being a playoff team, maybe as a division champion. You know, Tampa is obviously the surprise in the NFC South. Right now, the NFC South top to bottom looks like the division in football. All right, because Tampa was supposed to be nothing, and they're in first place at 2-0. and You've got Atlanta, you've got New Orleans, you've got Carolina. Um, Carolina home against the Bengals. They're laying three in that game. Didn't like it really as a smell test pick either way. I think if you forced me to play it, I'd, I'd play or lean Carolina. I'm not – you I like, like – I, I know, like you Cincinnati. like the Bengals. Yeah. You like the Bengals. I'm not – I'm not a believer, even though I actually am in the minority of people who like Andy Dalton, and I would have made a move for Andy Dalton in the offseason if the Alex Smith 
deal didn't materialize. You would have had to trade for Dalton, but you would have gotten him on the cheap with, I think, two years left on his deal. Um, Broncos at Ravens, right? The Broncos are 2-0. and uh, The Broncos had the close win over the Raiders last week. I believe I'm a believer in the Ravens this year. I think they're one of the teams that, if they stay healthy, are gonna uh, are gonna win 11 games and be in the postseason. But this is a good matchup uh, up in up in Baltimore Sunday, Denver, Baltimore, and then how about the Battle of L.A. Late Sunday, Chargers at Rams. Um, the Chargers. I don't know. I, I I'm not sure if Bosa's back for this one. He's missed he's, the first two games. Not, I think he's supposed to be out for a little while. Okay, still. so that's a you know once again the this guy is a defensive MVP player. You know he JJ Watt. There there are three or four of them. I'll tell you what. We could be looking at Miles Garrett as a as a contender for the defensive oh, yeah. MVP this year. Um, Chargers at Rams. I I'm a believer in in in, in LA Chargers San Diego. Um, but this is a tough matchup. They are getting seven uh, in you know in An- in the Coliseum against uh, against the Rams, not Anaheim. That's where the old Rams played right. after they were in the Coliseum. Now they're back in the Coliseum before they move into this shared venue uh, next year or the year after. But that is a really good football game on Sunday. I personally believe the Sunday night game, Detroit New England, is going to be a very competitive game. I think Detroit's much more capable than what they've shown in their first two games, and then really. Maybe the Monday night game is the best game of the entire weekend, one that you would have never predicted two weeks yeah. ago. But Pittsburgh at Tampa, I don't know if it's a must-win for, for Pittsburgh, but it's, it's, a, it's a need to have at I, Tampa. I, I think that locker room starts getting ugly if they lose that game. I tend to agree with you. Um, teams I'm interested in watching this weekend, I am interested in watching Maryland. By the way, that report uh, on the Jordan McNair um, situation is due out later today. You know, there's that second report on sort of the culture of the football program, and there's no timeline on that particular investigation report coming out. Um, Maryland got absolutely whipped at the line of scrimmage last week against Temple, and Temple did the same thing against Tulsa last night. I actually think Temple's pretty good defensively. Minnesota's good defensively. If Maryland can't move it against Minnesota and they can't beat Minnesota tomorrow, it's going to be a long year. So I'll go from a week ago thinking Maryland was a potential seven- or eight-win bowl team to thinking that they're more like a four-win team and not a bowl team. Tomorrow for Maryland against Minnesota, it's must-win. This actually just came out within the past 24 hours. Minnesota's going to be playing with a lot of emotion in that because I don't know if you remember Nick Connolly, the lineman. He he ended up passing away from his cancer uh, yesterday. I didn't see that story. I do remember the story of him being sick. Um, Well... Uh, college football is filled with emotion. Uh, the other teams I'm interested in watching, I already mentioned them, but I'm looking. To, I'm looking to see if the Ravens bounce back after that ugly Thursday night loss a week ago last night to to Cincinnati. Um, and how about this game for two zero and two teams? The Giants at the Texans. Somebody's season, for all intents and purposes, is going to come to an end in this one. Uh, the Giants are very good defensively. So is Houston. Deshaun Watson's off to a slow start. Uh, Both of these teams, I thought the Giants would be a surprise team in the NFC. I thought Houston was a capable team in the AFC. 0-3 in the NFC and and potentially in the NFC East, you're not going to recover from. Um, I don't know if you can recover from that in the AFC South. You probably can't with Jacksonville being in the division. Uh, this is a a win or you know pack it up for the year kind of a game in Houston. And then I've already mentioned this, but Steelers at Bucks Monday night. What a game! I mean Pittsburgh and Tampa. 
Um, remember, Tampa started with the win at New Orleans. Then they hosted Philly last week. They've got the Steelers tonight. Their next two weeks are at Chicago and at Atlanta. What a schedule as it turned out for Tampa to start with. Imagine if they, they come do out of that. They have a bye week in between there. Oh, they yeah. do? Yes, there's a Chicago bye week. And that's the big question about Jameis Winston right there is uh, that bye week there. Do they hold him off? And then if Fitzpatrick plays the way he is, does, you know, does he ever come back? Winston's not coming back. I mean, the Thursday night game looked like a dog on paper except for Darnold versus Mayfield. But it turned out to be a very good game last night and a highly rated game. The Monday night game looked like a dog on paper, Pittsburgh at Tampa, before the season started. And this may be the best uh, game of the weekend, one of the more important games of the weekend, which is why I always tell Andy Poland every single year I'm with him, stop going through the schedule. You can create a schedule like I do, but you can't go through it and count on it. Andy's going to join me here shortly. Um, Who's on upset alert? The Packers are. I've already mentioned that. I think the Redskins have a chance to win that game, and I think they've got a chance to win that game outright. Uh, I'm moving into a new studio next week, at least part-time. We're going to use Tony's studio here at Chatter from time to time, but we want to get the podcast out a little bit earlier. I want to get it done earlier. If you live in the upper northwest Bethesda Chevy Chase area and you don't want a long commute and it's too hard to get work done from home, check out the new launch workplaces in Bethesda. They have flexible and affordable private office solutions. You can get work done. It's a beautiful new space and it provides fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks with high-speed internet, complimentary drinks. They've got a cafe. Parking's free 24-7. Get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. Call today for an exclusive free two-day trial. Call 240-800-6714 or visit launchworkplaces.com. That's 240-800-6714 or launchworkplaces.com. All right, uh, this is um, this has been so much fun so far doing this podcast. And one of the people that's been on my list to get on the podcast is my good friend um, Andy Polin, um, who uh, you know was always a part of the pregame show every week. And Andy and I did you know Monday morning quarterback together. And of course, Andy was with Zabe for. 13 years and then back again for another run with Zabe. That Quick went a little one. bit shorter. <laughs> um, but Andy's uh, Andy's going to come on on Fridays with me and do you know the, the things he does you know so well as sort of a Redskins historian and NFL historian, and then he'll stick around with me to do Redskins score and more to finish up the Friday show. All right, what do you got? Uh, these are fun when you start to research these things. It's like American pickers, you know, when they find the oil sign and oh wow, there's a baby carriage from 1910. I didn't know it was there. So you start to look at these things. And we talked about this early in the week. We've got Aaron Rodgers, who was supposed to be the number one pick of the draft and slid down to 24, and Alex Smith, who was number one. So we got the matchup. Aaron Rodgers wasn't supposed to be number one. He just wasn't supposed to be 24. No, I thought it was a coin flip going into the draft, whether it's going to be Smith or Rodgers. I don't remember it quite that way, but go ahead. Okay, so uh, I look way back. 1957, John Brody was the third pick of the draft, the 44th overall which would be now mid-second round, but in those days, fourth round, Sonny Jurgensen by the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, Sonny came here to Washington in 1964. So their first meeting as uh, Sonny as a Redskin quarterback was November 12, 1967 at D.C. Stadium. This was before, of course, it became yeah. RFK. And this was the year that the Redskins had the one, two, and four receivers in the NFL. Charlie, Charlie Taylor. 
Jerry Smith, Bobby Mitchell. Bobby Mitchell was fourth, and Sonny Jurgensen didn't need a running game. In fact, their top running back that year was A.D. Whitfield, who had 384 yards for the year. Uh, as far as this game went, it was very typical of Redskin games in those days. They couldn't stop anybody. They would outscore them. So it was a seesaw game back and forth, won by the Redskins 31-28, to and Sonny hit Jerry Smith on a 15-yard touchdown pass late uh, to win the game. They met two years later at Kezar Stadium. This yep, is San not, Francisco. Not Candlestick. Not Candlestick. Yep, Kezar Stadium. And this was the Lombardi year. And so you had two 69. ties. Yep, two ties that year. This was one of them. 17-17. Here are the stats for Sonny in that game. 27 of 39 for 258 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Brody, 18 of 29, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Two of the top passages in the game, kind of pedestrian stats for, well, if for today. You, you know what's interesting, Andy? When you look back, and I, I do this every once in a while on pro football reference, and you pull up box scores, there just weren't these prolific passing yep. numbers. The completion percentage is the most jarring thing. The completion percentages in the 60s and even the 70s were generally under 50 percent yeah well you, you gotta know? realize 78 was a game changer uh, of course with the five yard shot yeah you could yeah. kill and that's why pat fisher at five nine and not that fast right. stayed you, the you league. can maul somebody at the line of scrimmage yeah exactly so uh in this game it, it came down to the uh last seconds of the game actually last minute of the game and Sonny threw a four-yard touchdown pass to jerry smith 26 seconds left for a 17 17 tie here's something that i found that was really cool i don't even know if they still have this rule now, remember, the goalposts were up against the goal, on the goal line, line on those days. So at the end of the game, they forced the 49ers to punt. And Ricky Harris made a fair catch. Yeah, free kick. At, yeah, at his own. That, that rule still exists. It still does? Yeah, okay. You, you can, and I think I saw it. I think I saw it in Denver maybe a few years ago okay. at the end of a half. Yeah. A kicker called a fair catch. And in Denver, you know, it was it was going to be like a 70-yard attempt. It may have been a, a Janikowski attempt for Oakland. Mm-hmm. And the a free kick means it's a free kick. Yeah. No one, the defense can't rush the yeah. kicker. Yeah, it's it's like when you play you know flag football and and somebody holds the ball and you kick off. <laughs> right. So they he caught the ball at his own forty four, and Kurt Knight came out to attempt a fifty six yard field goal, which was wide left, and right. the Redskins wound up with a tie. All right, uh, Billy Kilmer, nineteen. 19- Hold on, real quickly, Brody Brody's in the Hall of Fame, right? No. He's not. No. Because I was going to say, um, Sonny was the better quarterback, yeah. but Brody had much more team success. The 49ers were always in the postseason with Brody at quarterback. And losing and, to the Cowboys. And losing to the Cowboys in NFC Championship yeah. games. A couple, I think at least twice, right. at least two NFC title games, they lost to the Cowboys. Right. And uh, Brody had thrown more. That's the thing about Sonny. That, how could Sonny last until the fourth round? I think he's told you and I, his senior year at Duke, he threw like 50 passes exactly. the whole year. Exactly, he didn't year. throw the football. Yeah, so right. nobody knew he was a great and passer. And Sonny will tell you, he was just as good a basketball player as he was a football player. And, and is at six feet tall, thought he had a better chance to play pro sports right. in football, which turned out he was ba- pretty good. Basketball, yeah. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Good at, uh, pretty good at playing football. All right, Billy Kilmer, he was, the, uh, he was actually a halfback coming out of UCLA. He was the 11th pick by San Francisco in 1961. Norm Sneed was number two overall, taken by the Redskins. Number one... Tommy Mason, who finished his Running career back. with the Redskins and later married Kathy Rigby, 
who competed against Olga Corbett in the right. 1972 Olympics. We're just full of trivia today. Anyway, uh, they wind <laughs> up they don't wind up starting against each other with Billy quarterbacking the Redskins and Snead the New York Giants at this point. But this is October 29th, 1972 at Yankee Stadium, one of the great games of that year where the Redskins went to the Super Bowl for the first time. The Redskins won 23 to 16 over the Giants. Sonny Jurgensen started. Tore his Achilles. Yeah, tore his Achilles. Yep. First pass of the game. And so Billy comes in. His stats are not spectacular. He was 8 of 16, 114 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Sneed threw 37 passes, 250 What did Larry yards. Brown do in that game? Larry Brown. Yeah, he had a big game. 29 carries, 191 yards, yeah. one rushing touchdown. He also caught two passes for 42 yards, including a touchdown, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And Chris Hamburger stole the ball from Ron Johnson, mm -hmm. who was running. I mean, he was a good running back. Yeah, and, and Hamburger, who later made the Hall of Fame, took the ball away from him and set up a touchdown. All right. Uh, that, that was, for, for Redskin fans of a certain age, that was a famous game because Sonny went down, Kilmer yeah. came in, and they went on to the Super Bowl. There's year. a great still photo taken by Dick Darcy of Sonny limping off the field and Billy looking at his leg. Yep. And, uh, it's a great and photo. Billy, Billy took that team to the Super Bowl. 1971, Joe Theismann out of Notre Dame, a contender for the Heisman Trophy, was taken 99th overall by the Miami Dolphins. That year, quarterbacks went 1, 2, and 3. Jim Plunkett to New England, Archie Manning to New Orleans, Dan Pastorini, Pastorini. to Houston. That's the Riggins draft. That's right, John yeah, Riggins. Riggins went uh, number six, uh, number six overall, right? I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I couldn't really find any matchups between Pastorini and Theismann because it was AFC. They yeah. didn't play very often. And and remember this: Joe got to Washington in 1974, Sonny's last year. And George Allen traded a first-round draft pick for him, but he didn't become a full-time starter for another four years. Are you sure Pastorini in 1980 in the opener when Earl Campbell was their running back? at RFK, that that wasn't a Pastorini-Theismann matchup? they'd already traded for Stabler at okay. that point. I think so. But uh, here's, here's the ones I found uh, for Archie Manning. October 28, 1979 at RFK. Saints win 14-10. to Now, this is the Redskins team that starts 6-0. and yep. This is their third straight loss, so they're 6-3. and uh, Joe was sacked seven times in this game, and uh, all the points in this game 78. was 79. 78 was their 6-0 and start. That's right. Okay. So yeah. 79 was – this year they were 10-6. and six. Yeah, they went 10-6 and six yeah. and lost to the you're Cowboys. Right. Right. You're right about that. Okay, so he was sacked seven times, and, uh, and Archie got the best of them there. But they meet the following year, October 26, 1980, at RFK. Again, Redskins win 22-14, almost the reverse. Joe, 15 of 29, 185 yards and a touchdown. Archie, who may have been the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. They didn't start keeping sack stats until 1982. Uh, he was sacked five times in this game. Mark Mosley, five of six on field goals, one from 50 and one from 52. And this was the Saints team that went 1-15 under Dick Nolan. And the bags that you see in the stadiums, yeah. their fans invented them that is, is year. That, the is that the game where – was that the final game of that shortened season? No, this is 80. Oh, I thought you said 82. 80, My fault. 80. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, Joe, here's the game that I really, I think, stands out of, out of all of this. And if on Sunday we get a game like this, it'll be incredible. This is Joe versus Plunkett, October 2nd, 1983 at RFK. Yeah, great game. Redskins win 37-35. Both teams are 4-1 and one and are on a collision course, of course, to meet in the Super Bowl. Listen to the stats. Joe. He threw for three-something. Four-something. Yeah. 
23 of 39 for 417 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, but he was sacked six times. Plunkett, 16 of 29, 372 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Four interceptions, and he was sacked five times. Here's here's how it unfolded. First half, uh, the Raiders get a 99-yard touchdown pass to Cliff. Cliff Branch. Oh, Branch. Cliff Branch, okay. Then, in the Suey Drive, Redskins get a five-yard touchdown pass to Joe Washington. Then Plunkett throws a touchdown pass. Touchdown passes of 35 and 22 yards to Calvin Didn't Muhammad. Didn't Pruitt have a, a punt return for a touchdown in that he, game? He did, right before the half. Yeah. 97 yards. So it's 35 to 20 Los Angeles Raiders yes. uh, at the half. Ensuing kickoff at halftime, uh, Joe Theismann throws a rocket screen to Joe Washington for 62 yards. Yep. That becomes important later on. Uh, that sets up an 11-yard touchdown pass to Charlie Brown, 35-27. Onside kick recovers. 34-yard uh, field goal from Mosley, 35-30. to Raiders go three and out. Redskins get the ball on their own 31 with a minute 50 to play. Theismann, three straight passes to, Char- to Charlie Brown. Yeah, and then Joe Washington for the winner. Yeah, second down, he throws a touchdown pass to Joe Washington for the winner. And uh, Mark Rippon, who was uh, until a guy named Brady came along the only sixth rounder to win a Super Bowl. He was taken 146 overall in 86. Jim Everett, number three by Houston, traded to the Rams when they got a guy by the name of Warren Moon, and they met December 1st, 1991. That was the Super Bowl year. Redskins won easily 27-6. Real quickly, um, before we get to Redskins scoring more, the Raiders-Redskins game in October of 83 that Andy just went through is one of the great regular season NFL games you'll ever see. Redskins down 15. They scored. They kicked an onside kick. They ended up winning the game. Um, the, the thing that was significant, um, three things were significant. Number one, Marcus Allen didn't play for yeah. the Raiders in that game. Number two, Michael Haynes was not yet on the Raiders. Oh, uh, it's a midseason trade? It's a midseason trade. Okay. Uh, so they didn't have Marcus Allen, Michael Haynes. It, for my money, Michael Haynes is the greatest corner in the history of the game. Uh, Allen, a, a Hall of Famer. And then the rocket screen that Andy referred to was, of course, then run right before the end of the half in the Super Bowl against the Raiders later that year in Tampa, picked off by Jack Squirek, touchdown Raiders, 21-3 at halftime, game over. A play in which Joe's told the story a few times over the years where he said, Coach, Joe, are you sure you want to run it? And Joe just said, get out there and run it. <laughs> That's Theismann's version. That's Theismann's version. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to uh, Redskins score and more. Time to settle the score. It's score and more. All right, we'll finish up the show today on a football Friday. Andy's going to stick around for Redskins score and more. We need a Redskins prediction from you, Andy, and a footnote. I'll let you go first. Okay, I, I think it's going to take four touchdowns to win this game, and I don't see the Redskins offense scoring four touchdowns. So I like Green Bay to win this game 31-17. I don't think it's going to be close. And I think that uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers will throw three touchdown passes on the Redskins. All right, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Ben Standig uh, at the beginning of this podcast today. You know, a lot of times when, like, some big event in sports happens, some big move, we never see it coming. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if you think that there's any chance if they lay an egg Sunday at home for the second consecutive week with a bye week next week, if Jay Gruden would be in trouble at one and two. No, no. I don't think they'd fire him then. They might fire him at the end of the season. 
But there, there's they have a head coach, former head coach on the staff. I understand that, but but how often have you seen it that early in a season? It's it wouldn't be unprecedented. Yeah, I, but it, I mean, George Allen got fired halfway through his first training yeah, camp training with the Rams, camp, but Rams. but I, I don't see that happening. And and their their big thing is they've got a spackle over this embarrassment of the attendance, where they're oh we're going to be transparent, right. but we're really excited. We've got all these new things at the stadium, and everybody's excited about coming out. And they announced fifty seven, which looks like. 37, I think that's a bigger issue for them than, uh, and, and they don't want to, because that would be a real dark cloud over the organization if you fire the coach three games in, don't you think? I don't know if the cloud could get any darker than if they were to lay another egg Sunday in front of a, a, a 50-50 crowd at best, um, it may be on Sunday. All right, uh, I've got the Redskins winning Ooh. on Sunday. Um, this is a right out of the smell test yeah. you know, uh, category. The Redskins are a massive anti-public play Sunday plus the three. Public is absolutely convinced that Vegas is aired with this point spread. Um, and I like the Redskins. In fact, I like them on the money line uh, to win the game outright. 27-23. The footnote is that Aaron Rodgers gets them super close at the end of the game for the game winner and on a fourth down Ryan Kerrigan comes up big because we have not heard from Ryan Kerrigan in the first two games, and he sacks what will be a statue-like quarterback in Aaron Rodgers on one knee to end the game. Redskins pull off a huge win to give them momentum going into the bye week. I don't know what this will be an indication of in terms of the future and the rest of the season. I don't think it will be at all. I just like them a lot on Sunday to win the game 27-23. I don't know. And as far as the statue, yes, Dan Marino spent his whole year as a statue, but he knew how to get rid of the football as Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. He's very good. All right, thank you, Andy, very much. Thanks to Aaron. He produced this podcast. Thanks to everyone here at Chatter and, of course, our presenting sponsor, our friends at Window Nation. If you need Windows, call today, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Back Monday with a recap of the Redskins, Packers, and all of the football from the weekend. Have a great day.